A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And I've got another guest making their Talk is Jericho debut. I can't believe it's taken us this long to do it. My longtime manager and good friend, Barry Bloom, is on the show. Barry is, the, of course, the uh, architect of pro wrestling managership uh, and agentship, if that's a word. I thought it'd be uh, fun to have him on. He's a great storyteller. He's worked with some of the biggest names in wrestling over the course of his career, including Jesse the Body Ventura, who was his first ever client from the world of pro wrestling. He tells the story about Jesse auditioning for and getting the part in Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger and dealing with Vince McMahon through that process. Vince did not want uh, Jesse to use an agent. Here how Barry's got started in talent management, how he met and started working with Jesse in the first place. Of course, how I met Barry, how he helped me make the jump from WCW to WWE. Barry also played a big role in getting WWE to pay announcers and broadcasters royalties. He'll tell the whole story about the lawsuit that Ventura filed, how Barry had to go to court to testify. Barry also worked with Mean Gene Oakland, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Great conversation coming up with the legendary Barry Bloom. All right, before we get into that, there's still cabins left for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea the Four Leaf Clover at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We set sail February 2nd, and for the first time ever, we're going to our own private island, Great Stirrup K. Come hang with me. It's a pretty stacked uh, lineup of talent. AEW's in the ship. Uh, almost the full roster has been announced with the last few names coming out tomorrow, I believe. Fozzie's doing three shows, live podcast, Dave Schrader, the Paranormal 60, so much going on, Swerve Strickland is going to be there, Jade Cargill is going to be there, Ray Fenix, uh, Penta, Cerro M, so many great, great guys coming along, Chaos Project's going to be there, and of course the Jericho Cruz Oceanic Championship inaugural winner. The tournament will be on board. So come check it out, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And speaking of music and Fozzie, Australia this week. Uh, we're in Brisbane tonight. Melbourne on Friday night. Sydney on December 3rd. Adelaide on December 4th. Still VIP available to the Adelaide show. There's a few left. The rest are sold out, but tickets still available for all the gigs at FozzieRock.com. And then we're hitting the States again in March. Check FozzieRock.com for all the details and all of the maximum rockacity. All right, it's time. Barry Bloom, pro wrestling manager to the stars, make his talk as Jericho debut right here, right now. I have had one manager 
in the course of my pro wrestling career, the illustrious Barry Bloom. Oh, that's hell of a word, illustrious. And we've been talking for a while about doing this, and we finally, uh, here in San Diego, after Comic-Con was done, decided to get together and uh, and do a podcast about your career. So, But let's go back to our history, because we've been working together since 1998. Yep. And kind of how did that come about on, on your end? Well, at the time, I was very fortunate. I was representing some very, very prestigious wrestlers in the business. And I had a bit of a reputation for doing good things, for caring about talent. I'd like to think that I was helpful in uh, being a part of talent, getting guaranteed contracts and such. And I was actually a big fan of yours and had seen you on WCW, saw that terrific piece you did in front of the White House. And just thought that kid's got a hell of <laughs> an imagination. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. yeah, it was wonderful. And literally three days later, I get a call from a guy named Bob Ryder. And we had known each other tangentially. Not We weren't friends, but we, we had a, a relationship uh, just by knowing who each other were. And he said, you know, Chris Jericho, who Chris Jericho is? And I said, of course. He said, well, he's approached me about maybe thinking about representation. I said, really? And I'd love to talk to him. And that was step one. It's amazing because I don't remember Bob Ryder being involved. But from my point of view, because I used to talk to Bob quite a bit. I hadn't seen him. And obviously, he passed away last year whenever it was. I hadn't seen him probably since that time frame right. WCW. But I was there. And that's when I had my issue with Bischoff where we had re- renegotiated a new contract and uh, not an extension because my three years was up. So it was the next deal. And he didn't give me the paperwork for it for like three or four months. And I took kind of umbrage to that because I was like, if I'm, if he made a deal with Hogan, those contract papers would be in the mail the next day. And over the course of time, I also had the Goldberg feud, which was, and due to no fault of Bill, it just showed me that even though I was doing some great work, that I was never getting any higher up the card. So I decided that I wanted to leave. And when Bischoff finally produced the paperwork, I said, well, I don't want to sign it anymore. And that caused a big rift. And I was like, I need to get out I of remember. here. I remember. How the hell do I get out of here? So that's when I think Bob and I had spoke. And uh, he somehow mentioned you or whatever it was. And I said, I need help to get out of this contract. Well, when we spoke at first you were able to explain exactly what was going on, basis of your discontent. And I was more interested in making sure that, you know, you really felt you wanted to leave. I didn't want to necessarily get involved and just to stir things up. Mm. But for you, we decided to start talking more and more. I said, well, look, let's have it some time. We'll go through some, some things and we did. We, you started telling me more and more and more about what was going on. And at the time, I don't think I was Eric Bischoff's favorite person. Because you were representing, I think, Hall and Nash. Hall and Nash. And they were wonderful, wonderful guys, wonderful talents. Are one is not with us anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. He rest in peace. But it was really something that I think I was the enemy. Mm-hmm. Because I was always looking out for the... Well, for my clients, yeah. And it wasn't about me and having favor from any promoter or another promoter. It was really about what good for the client. Mm -hmm. And it didn't always jive, as you know, even when it was warranted. Right. So what I was able to do was I said, look, let's not uh, 
stir up the cart right now? Because you your deal wasn't quite up yet. It's still probably almost a year, eight months. Something yeah. Like that. So we continued to communicate. And then when it came time to get closer, there was an attorney that I knew. In John Atlanta, Taylor. John Taylor. Yeah. John Taylor was, may he rest in peace as well. He He's no longer with, I didn't with us. That. No. So well, I learned a lot from John Taylor. Mm. John was a, uh, an attorney in Atlanta who had done a good amount of work for WWF, then WWE. And I was directed to him from another case. And when this all came up, I said, John, how would you like to work with me on Chris Jericho? And what we decided was that, yes, as far as anyone's concerned, we'll let John Taylor represent Chris Jericho. <laughs> because I think you were told, correct me if I'm wrong, yes. that I don't want to deal with him. I won't say I'm being very, very neutral here, but that they didn't want to deal with me necessarily. B B Bischoff had Jason Hervey. Tell me that they didn't want to deal with Barry Bloom, but we'll deal with this guy, whoever it was that they mentioned. I can't remember who the guy's name the was. The approved agent. The approved agent, the which approved was like, well, why would I want to work with your guy representing me? Then they did not want to have anything to do with Barry Bloom. But Barry Bischoff was like, Barry Bloom, I don't have anything to do with that guy. And that's what made me realize, like, oh, he's the guy. But we pulled, <laughs> we, we pulled the smokescreen of having John Taylor represent me, yes. even though he was just basically, well, he, he was representing me, but you were behind it as well. Oh, of course. We were yeah. collaborating. Collaborate, yeah. And with no intention of, of creating any kind of deceit. It's just if they don't want to deal with me, right? Uh, fine, I'll find you someone who you can work with right. and have to be John Taylor. Yeah. And I told you when it came time, okay, when he asked you again about the deal about the status of your deal and signing telling you've got a lawyer you've hired a lawyer which is totally legit mm -hmm. and his name is john taylor and you remember you can tell us what that reaction was he wasn't happy you... with john taylor either yeah <laughs> and at that point too i think both of us were just sick of sick of each other because you know it, and it, eric and i have spoke about this and it's not you know as you would always say speaking out of school is that they didn't see in me what I saw in me. Mm -hmm. And even the deal, remember the deal that they offered yeah. me? Because they came back with a new deal. Because I was making, I think I think it was, I went from 135 to 165 to 200 or something like that. I think so. And the next round was, I think, 250, 3, 350. That was what we had agreed on. And then they came back with this whole, remember like the, the tiered contract system? And keep in mind too, that's a lot of money, but in the, in WCW, like Scott Norton and Stevie Ray and those types of guys were making seven hundred and fifty grand. So three fifty for me wasn't really even all that much money, right? In in comparison to the other guys, but they came back with that deal. It was the structured. If they sell this many tickets, you'll make this. Remember that? Yeah, it was very complicated. Yeah. And it was designed to get you to make you satisfied with a lesser guarantee, mm. with a with a possibility of an upside, right? For and it was really something that that didn't make a lot of sense at the time. Right. Uh, it wasn't even a discretionary bumps. It was like they were fixed. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, like I said, it was complicated. It really didn't work. Yeah. So then I know that, that WWE was very interested. Yes. Because in I had even had the meeting at Vince's house, yeah. which is unbelievable to think back to that. I was under contract <laughs> at WCW. And Vince brought me to his house Oops. to hang out for well, it's, that's I think the statute of limitations. I think we're gone. You were over. There. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Anyways, Vince is gone. So yeah. whatever. But so I had already kind of made up my mind that I wanted to go to work for WWF. Right. And that's when I had dealt with Jim Ross as an adversary. 
prior to that because I did what I did. Once again, it was it was there. Those fences were mended nicely, and we developed a very good relationship. In fact, I represent him today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for and you have for a long time. Yes, yeah. and and he's one of the greatest in what he does ever. Yeah, and he's still doing a hell of a job. So uh, kudos to Jim. Mm-hmm. But Jim was very very receptive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said, we, we actually had dinner in L.A. at Morton's and talked about it. Mm. And he said, I really want to get him over here. It's really, really something we want to do. Mm-hmm. And they were offering a number. And I'll keep that between us right mm-hmm. now if you want. But uh, And it wasn't quite the way we saw it. But we waited a bit. We talked more and more. And then Jim came up with... A signing bonus that we had suggested. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, Which was very uncommon. You're right. And once again, I think I've written this in my books. I think the four fifty was my first yes. deal. Your first downside. First downside. Yeah. But they but there was a signing bonus there. Yes. Wow. A signing bonus yeah. on top of of one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Oh, so the original yes. deal was only two seventy five or whatever. No, no. It was it was the four fifty. Oh, plus the signing bonus. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow. Yes. So that was something that you felt very good about. Mm-hmm. It made you feel that, hey, Wanted, uh, yeah. we've, we've broken through. They seem to really want, want you. And the rest is history. Yeah. You yeah. went to the company in 1999. I think it was August. August, August 9th, I think it was in 99. Yeah. You and, know, you, and, and like you said, the, the, the rest is history. We've been working together ever since. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita, so having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key, and learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. It's interesting to me because at the time, you were pretty much the only pro wrestling agent. And the reason why Eric and Vince didn't like you was because wrestlers didn't have agents. Yeah. That was not a commonplace thing, which is so ridiculously crazy. You know, we're on national TV every week. You, you are you know, making hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, not just for yourself, but for the company. And nobody is being represented by an agent. Yeah. It was time, time was coming. It had to happen. Right. And the reason that I think it worked was there was one, you know, Hulk Hogan had a terrific lawyer, 
he was working at Henry, Henry Holmes. Holmes yeah. Henry Holmes, who I yeah, of course very Hulk close had to. an agent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I learned a lot from Henry over the years. We actually worked together on some clients. Uh, however, you're right; it wasn't a field. Even now, I don't think there's a plethora. It's not commonplace. Of, no, it's so still not. It's still I've not helped more the guy, my, more the guys and girls in AEW with their deals than because no one's represented. I've helped right. a lot of people. I should become a a pro wrestling agent for some of these guys. <laughs> well, when you're when you're 85, <laughs> that's that's a possibility. The way so, you so let's go back to how you got into pro wrestling in the first place. And because a lot of this, I don't even know, because we've talked about it, but not in depth. Okay. How did you become an agent? And then how did that lead to becoming a pro wrestling agent? I'll tell you, I became a talent agent, legitimate talent agency for actors, primarily in 1977. So I'm a little older than maybe what you think, <laughs> but 1977. And I was a fan of wrestling since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I had my dad take me to the Olympic Auditorium whenever we could go. It was I wasn't into sports all that much, but wrestling it had my attention mm-hmm. all the time. And my little group of nerdy friends, right? We, right. You know, we had wrestling love of wrestling. So I was a talent agent, and the time uh, in 1985. But, but before you get to that, in, in the 70s, like who were some of the clients that you represented? Anybody of any note? In the, you mean like, uh, the, the talent agent? Oh yeah, Dick Van Patten. Okay, who was who was star of Eight Is Enough? Wow. Louise Jefferson, Wheezy. No kidding. Yeah, from the Jefferson. What was her name? Isabel Sanford. Sanford, right. Isabel Sanford. And she, lovely woman. May she wow. rest in peace. People are going. They're not here anymore, Chris. She was lovely. And I was able to cut my teeth on making her deals as a young agent. Were you representing them when they, when she, like, was she on the Jeffersons when you were representing them? She was them? on the Jeffersons. And um, I was working for a woman. Wow. Who was her agent. But this woman, uh, her name was Mary Ellen White. She was very good about giving us the opportunity to jump right into these deals hmm. and help form them and help make them. So it was a very, very good situation for us. We locked, we got to learn to grow very quickly. So, so I mean, in comparison to nowadays, you know, with sitcom, like Jefferson's, and eight is enough as well, but let's stick with, with, with Isabel. Jefferson's was like number one. Yes. So if you're on a number one TV show nowadays, I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. What was it back then for her in that time frame? Well, when I got involved, it was in that neighborhood. She had gone from much lower, and then she went ahead and we gave her parity with Sherman. He was always making more for a long time. Oh, wow. That's a big deal in the 70s for the girl to make as much as the guy, right? It was, yes. But she said, I'm not coming back without parity. It's got to at least be that. And sure enough, she made she made over a hundred thousand dollars an episode. Wow! Yeah, back in in, in the, the late seventies. That's a, yeah. probably almost close to a million nowadays. A lot right? of money, a lot of money. But she was on a, a very winning program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. You know, it made sense because it uh, it was something that that people wanted to see, and her numbers were strong, and the show was was going. Uh, what a great uh, great education for you as a young agent to be working with such big names. Yeah. That's why I said my my late boss was very giving when it came to that. Yeah, yeah. She wanted our help. She wanted us to really learn to cut our teeth. It wasn't overly corporate, right? So it was a really really unique opportunity. So you're you're representing some of these TV stars, and then you mentioned you said 1985 comes around. 1985 comes around, and I was home recovering from some minor surgery, and I hadn't watched wrestling on television for 
oh, gee, since the mid-60s because mm. it had gone off in territories. Mm-hmm. There was no local station like KTLA carrying. Uh, That's right. And there was no WWF national yeah. company at the time. Dick it Lane was long gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I cut my teeth on Freddie Blassie and The Destroyer and Bobo Brazil and all these great wrestlers. And then it was gone off of local television. 1985, USA Cable. That's the Night Titans. Right. WWF. Yeah. I'm watching and I'm clicking the, the, the clicker and I see a wrestling. Whoa. People like Jesse Ventura. Uh, even Freddie was still on. Freddie Blassie right. was still he was. on. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. The greatness was, you know, of course, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Roddy Piper. I mean, all these uh, great talents were there. Jesse Ventura, who I, I was always looking out to see where I could find new talent for TV and movies. Mm-hmm. And I really, really took to this guy, Jesse Ventura. And now this is 1985. I was still working as an agent. And I got a hold of the WWF cold. Completely. They did. <laughs> I just looked just up the, the office or something. Called the office. And I said, hi, I'm an agent from uh, California, and I would like to uh, talk to someone about working with your talent. Well, of course, I got no call back. (laughs) Like, what's your name? And blah, blah, blah. I called again. And I got connected to a gentleman named Ed Cohen. Absolutely. Ed Cohen. Who is also not with us anymore. not with us anymore. May he rest in He used to be the The booker for the the arenas. Yeah. And, uh, but... At first, he was the one, finally, we got on the phone, and he said, uh, well, we don't really like agents. And I said, okay, well, why don't we, let me just explain what I'm thinking about and, and talking about. And if you remember, there was a, a movie called The Bad Guys, which is about tag team wrestlers. I think Roddy ended up being. Right. Well, they, they were calling me from the casting office thinking, because I had talked to them about possibly representing some people that might be right for their movie. Mm -hmm. And I said to them, what if you would consider Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, who were hot as a pistol as a tag team Mm. in 1980, the All-American, whatever they were called. Yeah, they actually, the original theme song for them was Real American. Yes. And then they left so quickly, they gave it to Hulk. Yes. So they were they were there. I showed videotape, you know, a real a little cassette video. I taped it, kind of roughly edited it, sent it to the production office, and they said these guys are perfect. And unfortunately, what the movie wanted to pay and what WWF wanted for their services, big gap. Gotcha. <laughs> so they suggested Paul Roma and Jim Powers. WWF did. Because they would work for the money. <laughs> the Wild Stallions. <laughs> so they came out to do a screen test. Hmm. Well, it didn't make the grade. <laughs> and then I think, like I said, they ended up, uh, I can't remember who was with Roddy in the, in the, movie, for, the for the bad guys. For the bad guys. Gotcha. Yeah. And I had to call back WWF and say, well, they, they're not going to use those two guys. Right. And Ed said, well, I'll let the boss know. And uh, probably be disappointed, but that was it. They, it wasn't right for for the yeah. movie to make happen. Well, the next thing though, now Ed and I had developed a bit of a relationship. Uh, he was a fan of certain musical tastes that I had, and, and and we talked a little bit more comfortably. And it was easier to get a hold of him. I would call him. I get a call back, and at least I had shown him that I I had the ability to try to connect talent. Yeah, where their real jobs right, right. were. I wasn't just some person mm-hmm. out wanting to meet wrestlers. 
So then, of course, I had seen Jesse on Tuesday Night Titans. Everything from, from his, his irreverent attitude to Prince. The whole show he did, bringing on the phony Prince. Oh, did he? Oh, he brought on a, an impersonator. And he tried to convince... <laughs> he kept saying, McMahon, look at this. Prince is here. I brought Prince to the show. That's great. I didn't and know that. Tuesday Night Titans were one of my favorite you know, viewing spots for wrestling. And I said to him, I'd like to connect with Jesse Ventura. And he said, well, I don't know. Let me, let me see. Out of the blue, I didn't bother him again. Out of the blue, two weeks later, he goes, hey, I think I can make a phone call happen for you, me, and Jesse. I said, great. That'd be wonderful. We got on a phone call together. No Zoom, yeah, no, yeah. nothing like that. Surprised you're able to even get three people connect, on the phone. connect yeah. people on, on on a party line like that. And now we're still in 1985, and get on with Jesse. And at the end of the conversation, Jesse says, "Hey, when I'm in LA next, and I'm going to ask to be booked there when I can be, why don't we meet?" Well, now it turns out where he was going to be in LA on May 16th, 1985. <laughs> And I was looking through what we call breakdowns, what parts were available for actors all over. And I saw there was a role in a show called Hunter at Stephen Cannell Productions. And Stephen Cannell was doing the A-Team and big Riptide, yeah. big, big top television producer. Uh, he's no longer with us yeah. as well. but Stephen J. Cannell. Yes, yeah, right. Good for you. <laughs> and we, I called up uh, the casting head of talent. Simon Aaron, and said, I've got someone for you for this role. It wasn't a big role, but it was a very dramatic physical role. And he said, well, can you can he come in and, and audition? And that's when I said, Jesse, when do you think you could be here? I said, I, I have an audition for you. He goes, really? And that was the first time he came out. We met. I'd never met him before. There he was with his with, with tie-dye <laughs> and, the, and the big guns and, you know, and, and, the, and the hair and the, everything. The, and the six earrings mm -hmm. in each ear. The and jewel thought, in his dimple. <laughs> yes. And I, and I sat there. I was sitting in the lobby of Stephen Cannell Productions. A few other actors were there. And he walked in. And he'd taken a cab. And he walked in. And I looked at him and I said, gee, I hope this is a guy is sane. Because <laughs> he looked very intimidating. And friendly as can be. Hi. He's such a great guy. Jesse Venter. Yeah. Just wonderful guy. You know, we were talking. And I said, well, let me, if you want to go over the material with you before you go upstairs for the audition. He goes, sure, I'll read it a few times. He read through it and he felt comfortable with it. Went up. I got a call an hour and a half later. Jeez. At my office. No cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> at my That's office. Right. We want to hire Jesse Venter. That's great. And I thought, okay, great. I felt very very good about what i had mm -hmm. done and jesse said wow that was easy <laughs> and you know jesse well you yeah. know he will he will look at that he'll categorize it as okay that's how i did it and uh i'm gonna do it again and i'll tell you another part of that story about when he did it again but that was my first client in wrestling mm -hmm. and he did the job he came out to do hunter and that night he had wrestling in long beach so i had a, a stop time for him i was on the set with him we were there with Fred Dreyer. He did the scene in a couple of takes, did a great job. And sure enough, then we had to leave and go to Long Beach. And I drove him to Long Beach to <laughs> wrestle Tito Santana. 
who he just said on my podcast a couple weeks ago was his all-time favorite opponent. It was a great match. He he called him Chico out loud in the <laughs> ring. I mean, and, and he said to me after we were going home, when I was heading home, uh, getting him back to where he needed to fly out, he said, uh, can you believe an arena with so many Latinos yelling for me? Hmm. I said, well, you kind of... Yeah. Well, everyone loved Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah. Everyone loved him, even though he was the bad guy. So let's talk a little bit more, because like you mentioned, he was your first wrestling client. And there's two topics I want to touch on. One, of course, obviously, is his movie career, which became fairly fairly big, you know, in the 80s. Um, And then also, of course, the whole story about suing Vince. But just talk briefly about, about the Predator, that story. Happily. Happy to. Well, he had done, he had done now Hunter. Yeah. And he was one of the few wrestlers who was making, I mean, Hulk had made a mark in Rocky Three, mm-hmm. But, and Roddy had been doing, I think, some independent films. Yeah, so he hadn't he, done They Live yet. Yeah, No, he hadn't done yeah. They Live yet. But there were not a lot of wrestlers working in television yeah. and movies. Yeah. So that took us to... Not, we're in nine, still 1985. Does a great job. Uh, he had an audition for a couple other things, but remember, he was still on the road. Mm-hmm. He was working, mm-hmm. and uh, he was broadcasting as well. And then that became a full time right. venture for him. So he wasn't free all day long to just come and audition for for parts. And there was really very, I did what I could do by taking videotape and showing people. But to get the job, yeah, you had to be here, right? It was not the same way of interactive Zoom or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So Jesse and I had developed a relationship. But there's a little part of this that leads us to the next phase. We negotiated a price, and I had agreed that I would get all the money, and Jesse agreed at the time to directly to the WWF from this hunter job. And I did, kept my word. And Jesse called me about three weeks later and said, Barry, i got to ask you, how much did they pay me for the job? I said, well, you know, we had that agreement with with Ed that it's going to all go through him. And he goes, well, no, I I get it. He goes, I said, can you if you talk to Ed and tell him it's cool, I just want to be, you know, above board. He's absolutely. Well, sure enough, he calls me back. says, yeah, Ed said that it's okay for you to tell me. And And Ed Corroborated that, corroborated that with me. Right. And I told him, he said, really? Hmm. It was way more than, you know, I was making on the job. And obviously they took a big chunk. And he then, from that day, he told them, from now on, anything I do outside of the WWF, Barry Bloom is going to represent. Wow, gotcha. So if they paid him a thousand bucks, Hunter... They sent the thousand bucks to WWF, and then WWF sent Jesse five hundred bucks or whatever. If that, for example, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so now, yeah. now, okay. So now you are officially representing Jesse yes. in the entertainment world, independently of yeah. what the, because at that time too, Jesse did not have a contract. So crazy it was back then. Yeah, right? yeah. he did, and the contracts then guaranteed you one hundred and fifty dollars a match for ten matches a year. That's it. Yeah. How? Just think about that, everyone listening. The contracts then. Were one hundred and fifty dollars a match for ten matches a year. That was your guarantee. Yes. And everybody from probably maybe not Hogan was on it, but Savage and oh, sure. Steamboat. I know Bret Hart was on it. That was their contract. That was it. Yeah. Wow. That was it. Wow. So then 
he and I kept working together. I would set up meetings whenever he was in town. And everything kept going with Vince. I mean, he was doing broadcasting and such. And I wasn't doing anything with him in WWF at the time. Mm -hmm. Wasn't at that stage yet. Well, we go into now 1986. And in 1986, I was sitting in my office and I was looking at breakdowns. And I saw this role. And the movie was called Hunter. Hmm. Which was funny because the TV show he'd done was The Hunter. All right, so I'm like 10 and 0 when it comes to snagging the last delicious factor meal in my house before the new weekly delivery arrives. We all love factors ready to eat meals here in the Jericho household. They're fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, and dietitian approved. And best of all, they're ready to eat in just two minutes. Eating better has never been easier or more delicious. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. So before I jumped on the plane to get the dynamite this week to Russell Atlantis Jr., I had grilled steakhouse filet mignon with Parmesan cream, spinach, and broccolini. Two minutes to heat it up, ate it right out of the factory container, and then tossed it in the garbage. Fast, easy, and delicious. No prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. You can fuel up with Factor's restaurant-quality meals, too. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime, and Factor is less expensive than takeout. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash TIJ50 and use code TIJ50 to get 50% off. That's code TIJ50 at factormeals.com slash TIJ50 to get 50% off. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, my gosh. Sergeant Blaine. Blaine. character down. Sergeant Blaine. And I thought, wow. Well, I had, once again, my little video kit. I sent it over to the casting director, Jackie Birch, the <laughs> top-level casting director. God. And she said, uh, I, I just looked at your tape. We had a messenger then. There were, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't want to date myself, but we had to get up and work. Okay? We couldn't just press a button. And she loved it. She goes, when can he be here to meet Joel Silver? Who, who was know, the director? The producer. Producer, right. Yeah. Many who Matrix, as big as you get back then. Even right. Matrix now? Oh, yeah. So still big still has a yeah, piece yeah. of everything. Yeah. yeah. Joel was the man when it came to sci-fi, a lot of horror. I mean, yes. Uh so we set a time for about a week later, and I remember now we're into February 1986, and we walk <laughs> into Jackie Birch's office, who she was no taller than five feet, right? Little, and then of course I walk in first, and she's sitting at her desk, and behind me walks in Jesse, barely makes the the door. Yeah, it's about six foot three, six foot six four, six foot four, but but yeah. as wide right. as well. Big, okay. big dude, yeah, big, total great shape, and. She gets up and she goes, "Wow, you are you are big, and you, gee, and he and he had the t still had the long locks and the earrings and you know and the guns were showing and such and the the tie dye pants and I mean it was really <laughs> like he was he was amazing, and she uh, looked at him and said, "Let's go over and meet Joel Silver." Now, Chris, things didn't happen that quickly. They still don't in, in movies, and they television. don't now. You yeah. you didn't get your thing. Let's go meet the boss, the King of Kings, yeah, Joel after, Silver. After you just walked in the room, walked yeah. in the room, yeah. And she's looking him up and down, and sure, okay, let's go. She goes, I've got something you've got to meet. We go over halfway across 20th Century Fox lot. That's where they were, and we meet. Go. We wait outside for Joel for about five minutes. He comes out, and he squirts us in, and he looks him up and down. Doesn't say a word. Waits about 
10, 15 seconds. He goes, you're perfect. Once again, Jesse looks at me and goes, thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, the guy walks in, gets the first job. <laughs> you're right. He gets in, now he's in a major motion yeah. picture. And he is ready to take this step. And he goes, look, I, we just want you to meet John McTiernan, the director. Gotcha. Uh, we know John McTiernan from, from Predator, from Die Hard, yeah. Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Another big guy. Yeah, big name player. He goes, I, I just as a courtesy, but you're in. I mean, we want you. Gosh. And it was great. And we walked away. And, and, he, and Jesse wasn't arrogant. He was just almost mesmerized by, wow, this is a great business. Yeah. So, and once again, it just shows how much your look adds right to away. the casting and, and, and then he said, and that voice yeah, yeah, that, yeah that joel said that yeah my god your voice yeah so we then waited about a week came back met john mctiernan the deal was done and so when the deal was approved and they wanted to make it formal of course jesse wanted to call vince and he let has him know. To, yeah yeah i mean contractually i don't think yeah. he did but he, he wanted to call him. Courtesy. And, uh, yeah, because I said, absolutely. Well, that was an interesting first call to Vince because, and Jesse may have talked about this in his books, and I think we've gone over it, but no one has ever no, not from, not from your end, interviewed no. me at all. Right, right. I remember I had to, he got home, and I had to stop at a phone booth to call him because it was raining out, and I wanted to know what was said. And he then said to me, well, I called Vince's office and I said, I need to speak to Vince about something. And he was told, well, what is it? He's in a meeting. He goes, okay. He said, well, let me call back a little later. Call back later. And it was still, no, he's still in a meeting and, and such. And then Jesse got a call back from a gentleman named George Scott. I guess he was a booker that I never, I never yeah. met George. And he said, Jesse, let me tell you what Vince really said. He said, look, I don't have time for Jesse Ventura's nonsense. What, what is it? What's going on? And Jesse said, okay, if that's the case, just tell him I've been offered a role in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and I'm taking it. Literally, Jesse told me a minute later, <laughs> ding ling ling Vince is on the phone. Right. Now, I had never talked to Vince right. at this point. Right. Vince is on the phone. And he said to him, well, what is this picture? He goes, it's called Hunter. Hadn't changed yet. Hadn't changed the Predator yet. Changed the yeah. Predator. And he said to him, well, do they have Schwarzenegger or do they say they have Schwarzenegger? <laughs> and I thought it was a great question. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah. He didn't realize we, would, we had just met with Joel Silver, right. John McTiernan. It's classic Vince, too. Yes. You know? and, and he was being very inquisitive. And then Jesse said, no, I, I was in the office, Vince. I met the producer, executive producer, director, everybody. He goes, really? He goes, well, who's, he goes, yeah, I, how'd you get this? He goes, well, this agent. He goes, well, who's the agent? He said, his name is Barry Bloom. And Vince said, well, he's fired. <laughs> and he goes, Vince, you can't fire him. He don't work for you. <laughs> That's so great. Why were you fired? <laughs> I was fired. He goes, well, we'll get you an agent, a, a, that'll, a real agent. And Jesse, to his credit, said, Vince, 
I don't want your agent. He'll be working for you. <laughs> yeah. I want my agent. Jason Hervey all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, or prior yeah. to Jason Hervey. What but else yeah. I'm saying? Same, yeah. same mindset, though. Yeah. Same mindset that he would get him that. And sure enough, it worked out where Vince, of course, he didn't have a contract to hold Jesse under. Right. So Jesse decided that he obviously would do the movie. Uh, he left for the movie the day after WrestleMania 2. This is mm. now April 1986. Wow. I was with him at WrestleMania 2. I went down to Sports Arena, the, the three venues. Right. In Chicago, that, yeah, New York, and, and, LA. and LA. And we had set everything up, and he was about to leave, get ready to go, and couldn't find the passport. Or were they filming? They're filming Mexico. Oh, wow. That's yeah, right. Filming in Mexico. Well, we worked it out. Yeah. Long story, but it, it, it worked okay. out fine. But what was funny is he went down, he started shooting, and, and things were, were good. He then worked uh, a few altercations about them changing lines on him and short, trying to shorten the part, trying to cut the part. But it all worked out where he got some of the great stuff, and it, it really did. everybody, he did a great yeah. job. Shortly after that, WWF called Vince would like to go down to Mexico and see if Jesse can introduce him to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> to see if he can do WrestleMania. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, Which would have been a huge coup in 1987. Are you uh, kidding me? 86. 86, The movie came out in 87, right, but they right, were right, shot at then yeah, yeah. In, in 86. Yeah, and I did what I could to set them up. I believe he went down. Obviously, Arnold didn't do something at that time. But... It was interesting how it went from doubt with Jesse to the fact that he wanted to be able Maybe to can get be some part of that. Out of this, sure. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Yeah, I think, of course, I think of course. it was a good move. So um, the Predator story, he came back and, and from shooting and he had a lot of great stories with yep. he and Arnold and Carl Weathers about working out, being in the gym first. Yeah. And people yeah. would get sweaty up and they'd show up at five o'clock go, I've been here an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, all these he, great- he, Him and Arnold had a contest on who could show up to the gym earliest. Yes. And like, he, and, and Jesse, and Jesse told me the story when I was 18 years old <laughs> a, a, after a celebrity hockey game in Winnipeg when I first met him. And he said that, that he would, eventually he got there at like 4 a.m., and would wait till Arnold was coming in and then put water all over yes, his body as if he'd been sweating. And Arnold would be like, when did you get here? Yeah. About half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously the movie came out next year. It was great for Jesse. Huge. And I remember too, sitting in the theater and even just when his name came up at the beginning in the credits, people popped. Yeah. Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter, because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us, and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses, 
like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When did you start having dealings with Vince as an agent representing his wrestlers? Did you ever get to that point with Jesse? Yes. In a contract? Yes. So he was the first. Should I share that? Please. Yeah. Please. Don't want to jump around too much in time, but why not? No, no, but we're we're talking. See, the reason why this is important, too, and why I like hearing it, it was um, a sea change in the wrestling business because before... And even just in the 80s, which might as well be a thousand years ago, wrestlers were still treated as basically circus animals. Yes. Really. I mean, it was Carney and and it was Vince and then the wrestlers. Mm -hmm. But the fact a wrestler had an agent representing him, that made it real. And I can understand why Vince would be very angry at this Mm -hmm. and why he still is to this day or was. Why Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff, like, you don't want to deal with a great agent. Because it just means you got to pay more money. <laughs> Back in the day, and even like we said earlier, here's your deal. I'm excited. Well, you can make a lot more and work a lot less dates, but most guys don't know that. No, you know? they don't. Or they're intimidated. Sure. Especially back then. Yeah, sure. Because that was, yeah, there was NWA, there was WCW, but that was the mecca. Yes. WWE. No, no, no. WWE, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So in 1987, you remember the show uh, Saturday Night Main Event? Of course. That Jesse was on. Huge, yeah. Uh, Jesse was the commentator. He yeah. was. And he was starting to say, you know what? I think it's time to have you do my deals with WW, with Vince, WWF. Right. I said, sure, I'd love to. And he was under the belief, and I agreed with him, that he was underpaid for the Saturday Night Main Event. Mm-hmm. Dick Ebersol was co-running with Vince. And he would get his checks and he would show me. And I said, well, you're right. I think you're on a, you're you're an announcer on a nationally broadcast show. It does very well. Doing big ratings. Big yeah. ratings. Yeah. They even beat Saturday Night Live sometimes. Right. So they would come on once every six weeks, eight weeks? Four. Four to five maybe. But gotcha. they were they, they were really making a, yeah. a, an indent into entertainment that way. It was really good. Uh, and they'd already had WrestleMania one and two. And I think three was either around the corner or coming up, but they were really establishing that brand. And Jesse was a big part of that. To this so, day, still the voice of wrestling. When you totally. Every, whenever you hear his voice, it's every childhood memory ever coming back. Shut up, McMahon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> McMahon. Yeah. yeah. And I was able to then say, okay. And he told Vince that he wanted me to do his deal. Well, that created a whole... <laughs> I thought I fired him already. <laughs> yeah, different dynamic. Different dynamic. Yeah. And Vince decided, he goes, well, okay, I'll call him. Saturday. It was a Saturday. At my, I remember where I was living. I remember the kitchen, the whole scene was it. And he called. Jesse said, he's going to call you. Mm. Now, I'd never heard Vince McMahon's voice over the phone. Right. And... I pick up the phone and he said, I won't attempt to imitate right, him. Right. I was, Hi, this is Vince McMahon. 
And I thought, hi, Vince. And of course, I thought, yeah, this is Vince McMahon. Intimidating, right? Yeah. Even for you. Even yeah. when he was quiet. Yeah. He was powerful. Yeah. Just exuded yeah. power. The presence, yeah. Yeah, great presence. So he said that he's got this deal. I think we're asking for obviously more than he wanted to pay. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to talk about Jesse. I'm willing to pay him. And Jesse had a figure in his mind. And I won't discuss you don't that. Have to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. But, and Vince had another figure. And he said, this is what I believe, you know, is, is commensurate with what he's worth. And I said, okay. He said, I could pay him a lot more than that. It's not the money. The money is dog shit. I said, okay. He said, yeah, it's the principle. Hmm. And I thought, okay, I will, I will talk to Jesse. The principle of what? If I pay him more, it's going upon above my principle. I understand. I have a principle, what I think it's worth. Gotcha. And that should be right. recognized. Yeah. And sure enough, uh, I told Jesse that right away. I picked the phone, called him. He was in Minnesota. I said, well, he goes, how did it go? I said, it was very interesting. It was cordial. There was never any voices raised, but he's willing to pay you X. And he said, "It's it, the money's dog shit. It's the principle." <laughs> and Jesse said to me, "Please tell him to f- the principle. I'll take the dog shit." <laughs> <laughs> and I fell over. Oh, that's great. That was classic <laughs> Jesse hating BS. Yeah, you know, telling it right like it is. And I called Vince back and said to him, "Well, Jesse said." The principal, I'll take the dog shit. And Vince said, well, I'm not one of those people that can f*** the principal. means too much to me. Yeah. So this isn't going to work. Quick. Wow. No one hung up rudely, but it was like, I called him back. I said, well, I think for now they're passing. He goes, great. He knew what he felt he was worth. It wasn't exorbitant, outrageous, but it was fair. And I admire him for having the guts to stick up for what he felt. So that's why he left WWF for one month. Oh, <laughs> we're not there yet. We're not okay. at the 1990 departure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was <laughs> Jesse. I'm, I'm saying this with love and respect. This is this is all great stuff. Yeah. And they did the next Saturday Night Main Event without him. They brought Heenan in. Hmm. And I was a fan of Bobby's. Yeah, of course. Bobby did a great Bobby's job. Bobby's amazing, yeah. But the ratings didn't do well. Really? They weren't what Just not had. having Jesse on brought well, it down. Whether that was the case or, or not, whatever. the perception yeah. was that it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. That was on Saturday. The following Monday, I get a call from a gentleman named Dick Glover, who was the main consigliere to Vince. I can't really? remember if Dick if, Glover if, if was a, a lawyer or not, but he was a very smart man. Gotcha. I haven't heard that name before. I, I liked working with him a lot. He said, hi, Vince wanted me to call you. And I remember I was at a shopping center. Now, once again, we're still stuck with pay phones. <laughs> I had to go where <laughs> yes, I could find a pay phone. Right. I couldn't just sit in the corner with my cell phone. Right. And he said, we want to make this work with Jesse. Mm. And it was just inner smiles, Chris, thinking, hey. Guy stuck to his guns, yep. and sure enough, it worked out. Needless to say, I called him and said, well, they blinked. 
<laughs> and he goes, yeah, I guess they did. Yeah. And we worked that out and went back on Saturday nights. It's funny because Jesse told me this years ago to really get Vince's attention is you got to make it outside of the WWE. One of the first, on the first day yeah. we met, he told me that. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. And also too, he said, paraphrasing, if you say no, that just makes Vince want you more. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I, I was equated to a relationship. Right. If it's easy, maybe you won't appreciate it. That's right. That's but, right. but, you know, and, and Vince, listen, he turned out to be a phenomenal businessman. Yeah. Uh, built an incredible empire. Yeah. And Jesse, though, was my first take into that world. Mm-hmm. And the thing that made it happen, too, was the fact that he stood up for me. Right. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's talk about that because it's like, like I said, there's no reason to rush any of this. This is a very monumental time because Jesse even claimed... Uh, that he didn't know that wrestlers got royalties to this day. Well, not so much now, but from DVDs and videotapes. Mm-hmm. And he said, the wrestlers should build a monument to me for this. But he was the first guy to get paid royalties from the videotapes, Coliseum Video, whatever it was. And that's because, well, not because of you, but you were involved in totally. this. Totally. I was there. So tell us about that. Because before that, wrestlers never got any royalties for any videotapes of wrestlemania 2 1 whatever it may be you would not get a, a dime right uh, jumping ahead a bit yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been working again he had also done since then he had done a number of, of television shows did the running man yeah we had developed a really good relationship yeah he then talked to me in late 91 i believe it was uh about thinking about suing the wwfe mm. No, it was still F. At the time it was F, yeah. 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 And he was saying that he wasn't getting anything for the royalties for voiceovers, for videotapes. Right. They were you. very big Coliseum video. Huge. Huge. Yeah. And his voice was all over it. So if you bought one, if you, like, I was a big renter of those videos, but also bought, like, the big ones, like WrestleMania 3, right. 4, whatever. Right. And Jesse's commentary all is over, all over it, right? All over them. So he said, I think I'm going to have to sue. Vince over uh, royalties from videotapes. Right. I said, really? And so he started to pursue that, to have discussions with his attorney and uh, WWF. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, were saying, nope, uh, announcers don't get videotape, uh, videotape royalties. And of course, then his lawyers took over with the discussions. And at the same time this was happening, we were in early 1992. And WCW came to me. They came to you? Yes. Wow. About They heard I'd work with Jesse. Gentleman named Kip Allen Fry. K. Allen Fry. <laughs> and he said, I'd like to talk to see if Jesse's interested in coming to work for WCW. So Jesse, of course, was interested because he was getting ready to take a legal action against WWF. Now, Knowing that they would not want to keep him around if he's taking him to court or whatever yeah more yeah. exactly but yeah. he said i want to get this done first mm-hmm. with wcw then oh. i'll feel 
Oh, he wanted to deal with WWE first, Done. and then he could go take yeah, Vince to court. Two reasons, and maybe he shared this. this he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. Is that he wanted the security? He didn't want to get embroiled in a a, a legal action and then try to be negotiating at the same time with with WCW. Right. right. But he also, in that deal with WCW, we made very clear to make sure that as an announcer he would receive royalties percentage on videotape hmm. so he wanted that in place to show the oh. court and, and, and the and the jury came down to that that was something happening i haven't heard that before yeah. yes and and he was very smart to, to say that and his lawyers as well saying look at if we can get this deal done because he had full rights to enter into a new deal with the new wrestling yeah. company yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't no any restriction at all well uh, end of february he goes on the air in Milwaukee on WCW. Hmm. So it was really, really kind of interesting. Uh, I have to check that city, though. I just thought to myself, am I correct in the <laughs> Milwaukee? But I'll find that out if it's a problem. <laughs> we closed the deal for him, a two-year deal. It was a terrific deal. Broke through new ground for any announcer. Hmm. It was not for wrestling, only for announcing. Right. Yeah. He couldn't wrestle at that point. He was already done. No, he, yeah. he couldn't wrestle anymore. Didn't really want to. Right. That's the show uh, that he came down the, the ramp on the Harley. When he made his entrance there. And that deal was in place. So shortly after that, they filed an action, 1992, against WWF. And it literally took, I think, close to two years to get to trial. Wow. Because I was a witness for him in 94, March, April, 94, Ooh. I believe. Linda McMahon was there almost every day. Jeez. Lovely as can be. Yeah. Never anything negative yeah, she's the greatest snarky. she's the best yeah. just wonderful she really is so i was on the stand four or five days wow and it was nerve-wracking oh yeah i was shaking it they want to make sure not because i was going to get caught in anything but i just wanted to do right by him and i was able to explain to him that i trusted dick glover when dick glover said to me royal he said to me nobody gets royalties but i said well i don't believe that's true mm. And then knowing it, that Hogan and etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And so when I got up, I basically had to say that um, I didn't agree that he would do this yeah, right, right. for no royalties. Yeah. And then he, as you know, he uh, he was able to get a verdict. And then, of course, that was appealed by WWF, and they tried to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Wow. Yeah, it went up to the. Uh, the Court of Appeal. I'm not sure how that works exactly. Sure, sure, but, uh, sure. The Court of Appeals, Federal Court of Appeals and such. And it never made it past a certain level, did not get heard by the Supreme Court. That's amazing. Yeah. But that really did change the course for, you know, pro wrestling royalties for the future. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it made it, uh, there was actual percentage in his new deal at WCW. So it was a benchmark. And that was used in figuring. They used that in figuring the damages. That were owed him from WWF. Mm. I think he was. I think he won a total, and this is public knowledge, yeah, yeah, yeah. of eight hundred and ten thousand dollars. Nice. And that took two and a half years to get of yeah. fighting. Yeah, a lot of legal bills. So as we we move forward here, you mentioned that you know WCW calls you about Jesse. Was it only Jesse at this point in time? Was uh, it was your client? When did you start branching out to? And also, too, let me ask you this: Were you also still 
being a talent agent as well? I mean, Jesse wasn't your only sole client. In 1986, I'd become a manager. Manager, right. And I had actors okay, on gotcha. shows and, and, and a writer or two. And of course, had Jesse. And the next client that I got after Jesse was Mean Gene. Really? Yeah. What year was that? I believe it was 1990. Wow, so Gene was your... I love Gene Okerlund, yeah. man. What a great Gene had great come dude. to me because they were friendly. That's right, yeah. Jesse and Gene were of very course. friendly. And uh, Gene and I became friendly. And wow. uh, of course, we were in a position where he wanted my help. And it didn't happen right away. It was just something that took time and developed and, and went from there. But uh, he became a client. And then, of course, when everything broke big... This was interesting because in 1992, Jesse started on WCW. Right. And then Kip Fry was fired. And Kip told me before he was fired, he goes, I would close that merchandise part up quickly because mm. I think I'm going to be fired. Gotcha. And we did. I told his lawyers, they said, okay, let's, let's right. get this down because they wanted it to happen and it was very important for them. Right. So then Bill Watts came in and that was... A disaster from the beginning for sure. Jesse. It was, yeah. Yeah. He and Bill were like water and oil. It just didn't Jesse work. and Bill. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can, I can see Bill not liking Jesse just at all. Just philosophies. Yeah. And I actually spoke to Bill twice. And he had no more interest in speaking to an agent. Though he was polite. But it was like <laughs> I could have been nobody. Yeah, exactly. the, the bag boy at, at Vaughn. An agent in wrestling? Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, of course. He was the ultimate old school. No, we're not going to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, that didn't go well. But at the same time, it was when um, Eric Bischoff was trying to get elevated at WCW. Oh, right. Yeah. So Bill then find Jesse for, for something. For, I think they had a discrepancy in some creative issue. And he find him. And I said, I don't know if he can find you. <laughs> so we went to his, his lawyers and said, no, you really can't find him. I mean, unless he breaches. Right. Doesn't show up or do something like that. So we went through that. And then Eric took over. 1993. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is breath fresh air. This is great. Because he had tremendous amount of energy, a lot of creativity. And as you know, went on to do some pretty great sure, things. Sure, of course. So he and I became friendly and I helped him actually audition for a couple of opportunities like Access Hollywood was a new show. Really? And I got Eric in there. My partner and I, Michael, got Eric in mm -hmm. there. And I, I thought this guy's really talented. Mm -hmm. I mean, good looking mm -hmm. and, and smart. And, and, and he got very close. He was considered for things. But then I think once he took over and got the the nod at WCW. He focused that was different, on that. Yeah. That was different from that. So Bischoff now is kind of, uh, like you mentioned, he takes control and you have other opportunities for him, but now he's running WCW. Yeah. So is it just now it's Mean Gene, it's Jesse. When does kind of your, you know, your roster expand? Because now we're getting close to this 96 era, right. Nitro versus Raw, where, and, and something that I want to touch on is, is also you mentioned you were one of the kind of pioneers in getting guaranteed contracts. Yes. Because that did not exist. Well, let's go to that then. Until the mid-90s. Let's go to that. Good yeah. segue. Yeah. I'm at my office early January 1996, working late. Uh, working late because I knew it because it had gotten dark. 
It was winter. It was dark. And I get a call from a friend, Rich Minzer, who was at Gold's Gym. I remember Rich. Yep. And he said, hey, Bear. Rich said, hey, Rich, how are you? He goes, look, at, um, I've got this kid here uh, who would love to talk to you. Just in general, his name is Sean Waltman. Mm. Really? Yes. And I wow. said, wow, okay. But I'm leaving now. And he goes, you know, he's here. He, he could be there in 15, 20 minutes. He said, you think you could talk to him a little bit? He's going to leave and go back to Minnesota. I said, okay. Because I, I had watched him and, you know, and liked him a lot. So I wait. He shows up mm-hmm. right away. Right. Comes in and we're, we're talking. And he had had his own problems with WWF. Right. And now he started talking to me about the fact that he wanted to maybe think about about jumping to WCW. Wow. And I talked to him back and forth about contracts and what he was making. It was very little. It wasn't even worth a guarantee of any kind of WWF. And I said, interesting. And we talked through it and I explained. And he goes, you know, I have another friend who is interested, a friend who's interested in leaving as well. And I was enjoying talking to Sean, but I said, who's that? He said, Scott Hall. And he plays Razor Ramon. (laughs) And I thought I was going to fall off my chair because Eric had said to me earlier in the month that Ted was looking to hire some mainstream talent. Mm. He's going to pay to hire some mainstream talent with nice guarantees. Once again, there was no guarantees at this time. There was no guarantee. Yeah. Scott didn't. Scott was there. I thought these guys were making so much money. Sure. So and how they were getting paid at the time was just a percentage of the gate. Yeah. Or their $150 for the uh, Right. Exactly. 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 And basically whatever Vince wanted to yeah. pay them. Yeah. The reason Sean couldn't leave, his contract had too far to go. Okay. But Scott's was up in May. Wow. And this is when? January. Gotcha. So sure enough, Sean says... Why don't we call him now? And it's about 7.30 by time and 10 o'clock. And I said, ah, okay, you think it's not too late? And he's, I said, where do you live in Orlando? He said, okay, uh, let, me, let me get him. And we got on the phone. And Sean said, Scott, it's Sean. And he goes, hey. And I thought, yeah, it's him. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he goes, I'm with a guy here who thinks he can get you a really good deal and a really nice guarantee. And Scott, who was heard everything skeptical in this, of course, very smart, of course, very sharp. And he said, wow, I explained a little bit, you know, that they're looking to hire some key talent. And to me, he was like one of the huge. Absolutely. He was at his peak at that point time as well. And he said, yeah, bring me some. I'm, I'm in. I could be in. And sure enough, I called Eric that night or the next morning. So I think I found somebody. Wow. That might fit that that uh, need that you're looking at. He goes, who? I said, Scott Hall. And of course, <laughs> I had no began. idea that you basically kind of helped orchestrate the NWO. It ended up that way. I mean, it was a great concept he had, you know, um, and that was the beginning. We made a deal. And at the time, the WWF contracts were renewable. If you didn't cancel within so many days, they would just roll over constantly. You didn't stop it. Right. So I realized I said, I got a copy of the dates, what was relevant to Scott. I said, well, you got to sign something and say, I 
do not choose to be automatically renewed, no matter what you do. Gotcha. And he said, okay, send me something. He faxed. Had to be faxed. Mm -hmm. Took the fax and he sent it back and he wrote his name huge. He goes, I'm writing it big enough so Vince can see it. And we sent it in. It didn't mean he was quitting. It just, just meant- Doesn't want to renew. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. want to renew. You got to renegotiate here, yeah. Doesn't want to negotiate there. Did you talk to Vince at all about Scott renegotiating? No, he didn't want to talk to me. He wanted out. Okay. Well, he, he didn't was, want to talk oh. to me. But Scott didn't want to didn't want to try and renegotiate with him. He was them? open to it. Oh, gotcha. So you were told that Vince does not want to talk to you. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is that you went to Eric. Eric said, "I want. I'm interested." You went to Vince. Vince said, "I don't want to talk to you." So that was it. He went to WCW. He went to WCW. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't even about a bidding war. Principal versus dog shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He wasn't going to be dictated to. And it was his right yeah. that he's got to be told that. And it was compared to what it was more than Scott had been making, which I was surprised. Hmm. I thought he was making the millions. Of course. At WWF. Course. And he wasn't. Did you incorporate the dates per month in that as well? well there was limitations. Dates Is that something that you came up with? That's what, I don't know if I can. I was the first one that I heard of who did it to say hey you can because back in those days you would work 22 dates a month or whatever it was and you would say there's only 14 dates a month allowed or whatever it may be right that we wow. limited the date there were no limitation yeah there was a limitation 365 <laughs> <laughs> did you get that from somebody or did you just come up with did you get was that something that it did in the movies of, or as, in, as an agent chris you would never sign someone to a movie and say okay we'll pay him a hundred grand Unlimited days. Gotcha. So I thought, well, what is it for? Right. X number of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars mean he'll work for you, what, 50 days, 80 days? Yeah, yeah. What does that days? mean? Yeah. We got to put in a, a cap. Came up with a cap that was mutually acceptable. Which was huge. To this day. I mean, I've had that with you for 20 odd years, the right. amount of dates. Most guys don't. And obviously, the, the game has changed to where, like, for example, AEW works once a week. But nobody had that those dates per month you know now it's dates per year of what you can do but that's amazing i had no idea that you kind of were one of the the quote-unquote creators of that right right so uh, as we start to wind down how did kevin nash get involved after scott left was his contract up at the same time i believe kevin's was a month later gotcha june gotcha scott was up in may and kevin was in june i didn't represent kevin initially Mm. crazy about kevin Mm. wonderful guy great guy great talent yeah. and i always say in a different time frame kevin and i would be best would have been best friends yeah 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 and probably one of the smartest people i've ever known about wrestling mm. i mean his sensibility he always talks about details yeah yeah, yeah. and he's right yeah. details make a difference of course uh hope you're listening kevin <laughs> uh i'll do your podcast too <laughs> <laughs> that's right he has one now too yeah exactly <laughs> but it was it was fascinating because we made the deal and kevin I got Scott something else in the deal that if anybody except for Hogan, I listed the undertaker. I listed Kevin Nash. I listed, uh, there was no Bill Goldberg. Right. Yet, right, right yeah. But I listed Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Hart. Yeah, yeah. There was a list of people that were there that if they came in, if they jumped from WF to WCW, WCW would have to match their salary. Most other than Hogan. Other than Hogan. Anybody else that came in. So 
when Brett, Actually, I had it specifically, I covered the bases yeah, yeah. with whoever was going to possibly right. could come in. And when and just to jump forward a little bit, and you, when Brett finally did come in to WCW for the amount of money he got, Scott and Kevin they, they <laughs> benefited. Had to make a, they had to make a renegotiation. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So when did you finally end up working with Kevin then? He came in on his own at first. He came in on his own. I met him in the trailer the next night after Bash at the Beach mm-hmm. with the big turn. That show was in Tampa. Wow, or it may have been in Orlando after the big NWO. And I yeah. went up to his his trailer and knocked. And said, Hi, Kevin. I'm Barry Bloom. He goes, oh, I've heard a lot about you. And uh, we waited a while. I didn't start working with Kevin until later on when it was time to renegotiate for Scott and Kevin okay. together. We just they decided obviously hell of a hell of a duo here. Yeah, yeah. They'd come in. Uh, in May and June, and, and for uh, for and for WCW, yeah, created the NWO created with the Hulkster, NWO. Yeah. and then uh, it just took a matter of time where they realized that you know they need to be paid more mm. and well deserved, deservedly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when I met Kevin, and then of course we started to work all work together. Well, man, there's a lot we can talk about, and we and we have to do part two, part three, whatever it may be. So I guess last question for you, as a wrestling fan, what is your favorite match that you've ever seen? Is oh. the one that stands out for you? Yeah, you know, I'm still part of that group of Steamboat Savage. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I remember it. I was young. Not young. I was still, I was working in the business, yeah. so I, I knew that. Love that. But I have to tell you, there was never as an exciting event overall as to bash at the beach when the nwo was born mm. chris you could have you could it, it took tractors i would think to take all the debris out the of the trash place. yeah right i salute eric on that man what a that was 96 yeah, yeah. july 96 yeah and it was pretty amazing well man it's been great uh hearing these stories and like i said it's been great working with you for 23 years three years we've yeah. made a lot of uh uh, good choices. Great moments happen, a lot of good choices, and a lot more to come. So let's do a part two again in the future. I'd love to, man. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care.